16, beginning with verse 15. And uh, may I say quickly, the grace reach is hitting it out of the park. We're going to be hearing from Brother Gary and Sister Ashley in the next couple of Sundays. But last Sunday we had six brand new kids on Grace Reach. This Sunday we have three. I believe it's three or four today. They're hitting it out of the park, and we appreciate that so very much. Amen. Thank the Lord. Genesis chapter 17, verse 15. God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her, Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be the mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is an hundred years old, and Sarah, and how shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. And God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant, and with his seed after him. Very familiar reading. I want to title this today and preach to you a little while, just simply, The Miracle or the Mistake. The Miracle or the Mistake. Everybody say, God bless the word. Give your neighbor a high five and tell him I'm going to help the preacher preach today. <clears throat> Thank you. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. A mistake, a mistake by definition, is a, a fault in understanding. It's a fault in understanding, in perception, and interpretation. A mistake is an idea or an answer or an act that is wrong. It's an error. On the other hand, a miracle is an event or action that apparently contradicts scientific laws and is hence thought to be due to supernatural causes, an act of God, a remarkable event, and even a marvel. How many has been a recipient of a miracle? Praise the Lord. All over the house today, God has worked miracles in the lives of people. We live in a world today that is full of mistakes and almost void of miracles. The reason that we live in such a world is merely because of the perception of man. We focus on the mistakes and often fail to see the miracles. Everybody say amen. We'll read that last line again. We focus on the mistakes and oftentimes fail to see the miracles. Junius said, we lament the mistakes of a good man. Dwight Eisenhower said, nothing is easy in war. Mistakes are always paid for and casualties. And that seems to be the view of fallen man. And I want to say, and everyone set up straight and listen, mistakes often override the miracles in our lives. Mistakes often override the miracles in our lives. 
I want to stop here and say in passing that I am this message today through divine inspiration. Next Sunday, we're launching Go Big. We're not done with Dream Big, but next Sunday, we're going to launch Go Big. As you can see behind me, the envelopes, as you've noticed up, up here today, that have the red check marks across them are dreams that people have given to God that have come to pass. And we hope to continue to put check marks on all of these until they all off as God has responded to the dreams of His people and the desires of their heart. So I want to pray as we get into it more and more here in a moment. But this is my uh, prelude, if you will, before Go Big begins. This is a prelude to Go Big. I want all of us to get on not only the same page with each other, but I want us to get on the same page with God. If there's something in your past that's bothering you, we've taught on this for the past 10 or 12 Wednesday nights. Uh, we've taught, we've preached about this. Now is the time to clear all the clutter out of your life, out of your mind, out of your heart. If you've made a mistake, big or small, let's work through it, let's work past it, and let's go big for Jesus, what do you say? No more excuses. No more justification to sit around and say, well, this happened to me and that happened. No more of that. We're going to get all of that straight with Jesus today. Praise the Lord. We've all made mistakes, but God wants us to focus on the miracle. Praise the Lord. And I'm going to show you today how to do that. And our mistakes are brought to God. He has a way of removing the things that create failure in our spiritual walk. But still, there is that often nagging mistake. Not just an ordinary mistake, but the mistake. Everybody say, the mistake. That's the one that embarrassed you. That's the one that ruined your witness. That's the one that caused you to begin that long downward spiral towards the darkness of shame and embarrassment. Before long, the mistake rules your entire life. The mistake is never far from your mind. The mistake rises and shines before you can kneel to pray. The mistake mocks you when you lift your hands and worship. The mistake distracts you when you attempt to read the Word of God. The mistake haunts you every time you make a new commitment to Jesus. The mistake robs you of peace and even sleep. The mistake has depleted all of your spiritual reserves. The mistake is something that you can no longer live with. Even now, you live in a place where... The mistake is forever tormenting your mind and your spirit. If you find yourself in that place, the Word of God has the power to give you the faith to rise up. And the Spirit of God is able to provide deliverance from the mistake once and for all. The four names mentioned in our text are simply Abraham, Sarah, Ishmael and Isaac, and most of you are very familiar with that story. 
Abraham, the man that God called out of the land of the Chaldees, the searcher for the city whose builder and maker was God. Sarah, the wife of the old patriarch, faithfully followed Abraham into the land that God was going to lead them to. Ishmael, the son born to Abraham in his moment of doubt and weakness. Isaac, Isaac was the promise that fulfilled, that was fulfilled in the age, the old age of Abraham and Sarah. Are more to the story than just that brief overview. And I'll come back to it in a moment. But listen to Pastor here this morning. When our choices lead us into mistakes or failure, whether or not we are willing to admit it or not, that particular failure has begun its process long before the capulation or surrender of the act. There is no greater illustration of this point than to look at the life of Samson in Judges chapter 15 and verse 20 and then chapter 16 and verse 1. The Bible said, And he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines twenty years. Then went Samson to Gaza, and he saw there an harlot, and went in unto her. For twenty long years that unbridled passion and untethered lust ate at the very soul of Samson until it was fulfilled in a single moment of failure. The same was with the origin of the mistake of Abraham. Listen very carefully. First of all, Abraham found himself involved in a famine. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 10, the Bible said, And there was famine in the land, and Abram went down. Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. Notice in that verse that Abraham went down. He declined. He became less. He was surrendering in his commitment. He was giving in to temptation, if you will. Egypt is a type of the world. Listen, everybody in the building, especially our students here today. You will never step up into the world. You will never leave church and improve your standing spiritually with God and with your family and with the kingdom of God. Amen. The world is never a step up and an improvement. It was the world that Abraham retreated to. Egypt was the world that Abraham retreated to during his time of famine. The spiritual application involved here is a warning. Never, never go to the world during your moments of spiritual famine. Men meet failure when they go to the wrong places during their famines. It is in our dry places, according to Matthew chapter 12, that we're the most vulnerable to make bad decisions and wrong choices. So it was to Egypt that Abraham went during the time of famine. He left Bethel. He left the house of God to go to Egypt. I still don't understand it. And Every day, every week, if you will. But I want to preach to you today, again, especially to our young people, our younger married couples. The worst of Bethel is still better than the best of Egypt. You don't leave the church. 
You don't leave the kingdom of God. I don't care what's going on. It doesn't matter what the preacher does. It doesn't matter what the person across the aisle does. It doesn't even matter what you perceive God to do or not to do. You don't leave the church. You never leave the kingdom. You always stay committed. You always stay committed. I've got to serve God. I've got to be a part of the kingdom. I've got to please God. I've got to be faithful. I've got to pray. I've got to fast. I've got to do what God wants me to do. Somebody shout yes! But don't ever forget that the worst of Bethel the worst the house of God has to offer is still better than the best of Egypt. Notice this reading. I'll explain it when I'm done in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 10. For the land whether thou goest in to possess it is not as the land of Egypt from whence you came out where thou sowed thy seed and watered it with thy foot as a garden of herbs. But the land, whether you go to possess it, is a land of hills and valleys. But you drink water of the rain of heaven. Praise God. The land which the Lord thy God cares for. The eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it. From the beginning of the year even to the end of the year. I want to stop and say what the Scripture is saying here today to the children of Israel coming out of Egypt and finding their land to possess. Is that in Egypt they would have to go to the river Nile and carry water in buckets of slaves and would water the crops. But God said when you get to your new land, it's going to have, it's going to have its hills and it's going to have its valleys. But your water will never be carried again in a bucket. It's going to come. From heaven. It's going to rain out of heaven. Hallelujah to God. You're not going to carry the water no more. I'm going to give you the water. And notice the promise God makes to his kingdom, to the things that he gives to his people, to the promises he makes to his people. He said, my eye will be on it from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. So it don't matter if you're on a hill or if you're down in the valley. My eye's still on you. It don't matter if it's a time of plenty or if it's a time of famine. My eye is still on you. Do you understand when you abandon your commitment, when you leave the house of God and depart from the kingdom of God? God! I is known your life like it was when you were serving him. It's imperative. It's priority that we understand. You never leave the kingdom. <clears throat> Praise God. So in Egypt, water had to be carried from the muddy Nile to water the crops, but Canaan got fresh rains. I've said this over and over and over, and I can't get past it, and I can't forget it. When I went to Israel in 1999, we were driving from northern part of Jerusalem or Israel to the southern part, down around the Dead Sea. And I'm telling you, folks, I've got pictures of it. You could literally see where they planted crops, and just like that, it was like a line drawn in the sand. It was nothing but barren wilderness, nothing. And our tour guide said, 
that every time they go over a row and they cultivate new land, it rains on that crop, but does not rain in the wilderness. It's that distinct. It's that obvious. As long as you stay in the kingdom, God's going to take care of you. But when you leave it, you're going to be on your own. We need to understand that. Abraham, as Brother Jason preached several weeks ago, he forsook his altars and his tent. He forsook his altars. He forsook his place of dwelling in order to go to Egypt. His altars and his tents were the meeting places with God. He met God in his altar, but he also met God in his house. They were the places of rendezvous between him and God, if you will. He left all of that to go to Egypt. The Bible said in Isaiah 31 verse 1, Woe to them that go down to Egypt for help and stay on horses and trusted chariots because they are many and in horsemen because they are very strong. But they look not unto the Holy One of Israel, neither do they seek the Lord. It was in Egypt that the wheels of the, of the mistake began to turn. Hagar had been picked by Sarah to be her handmaid. If your haven is the world during time of spiritual drought, it has to be understood that some detrimental things will be picked up along the way that will weaken the grip that you have on your promises from God. The Bible said, Now Sarah, Abram's wife, bare him no children, and she had an handmaid an Egyptian whose name was Hagar. Listen to pastor. Time, time has a way of wearing down the promises of God in our life. Time can do that. Abraham and Sarah were not immune to the weight of time. They began to doubt that God really was going to live up to his promises of making Abraham the father of a great nation. And in a moment of doubt, Abraham and Sarah decided to take the matter into their own hands. And Sarah provided Abraham with her handmaid, Hagar. And a son was conceived and a mistake was made. After Ishmael was born, it did not take long for Abraham to realize that a mistake had been made. He noticed it when Sarah and Hagar became rivals. They began, both began to compete for the eye of Abraham. Abraham saw the hope of his promise slipping away. With the weight of guilt, listen to what Abraham did. With the weight of guilt on the shoulders of Abraham, he turned back to the place that he had left behind. In Genesis chapter 17, we read of the renewal of the covenant he made with God. That is the only place to go when the mistake has you gasping in a spiritual death grip. It takes you back to a place of renewal, a place of consecration, a place of hope that becomes a place of refreshment. And after the renewal of the covenant, shortly thereafter, we see the birth of Isaac. The birth of the miracle. The birth in spite of the mistake. The miracle is born in spite of the mistake. Oh, i got to preach for a minute here. I'm going to get ahead of myself, but I'll come back to it. I'm going to get ahead of myself. How many sitting in this building today believe 
or have believed that because of the mistake I made last week, last year, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 40 years ago, that God just won't bless me again. I can never be what I've ever been before. I can't ever come back to that place where I once was. Through the Father of the faithful, God shows His faithfulness and reassures Abraham and every person that would follow after Him that it doesn't matter to God if you make a mistake. God will still cause His promise to fulfill in your life. It doesn't matter how long you've been gone. It doesn't matter where you've been. Neither does it matter what you've done. God will still bring the promise to pass in your life, even though there's been a mistake. There's a good preaching right here. I said, this is good preaching right here. And notice... The paradox. You don't believe that a mistake and a miracle can cohabitate? You haven't read the story of Abraham and Sarah and Hagar and Ishmael and Isaac. The miracle and the mistake are in the same house. Anytime the mistake and the miracle are in the same house, there'll always be a struggle between the two. And that's where some of you folks are living right now. You made a mistake, but that miracle is coming back to life. That miracle is fixing to be birthed, and you don't know what to do. But God, I made a mistake. How can a miracle come to me? I've been, I've been a hypocrite. I've been a this. I've been a that. How in the world can... I have a mistake as grievous as the one I've done and a miracle in my life at the same time. Well, it's a very interesting balancing act to say the least. But my point today is that it is possible for those of you who don't believe that. Isaac and Ishmael living in the same house. And so the struggle begins. Ishmael, the son of doubt, is living in the same house with Isaac, the son of promise. Ishmael, the work of the flesh, is living in the same house with Isaac, the work of the Spirit. Ishmael, Abraham's mistake, is living in the same house with Isaac, Abraham's miracle. In the same house lives the Egyptian intruder along with Sarah, the Jew, the blessed. Hagar, the worldly, is living in the same house with Sarah, the chosen. In the same house lives Abraham, a man of doubt, with Abraham, a man of faith. Such was the case with Ishmael and Isaac. But listen very carefully. It wasn't the mistake that prevailed. 
We let the mistake prevail, but not in this case. The mistake did not prevail. Ishmael soon began to understand that he was the mistake and that Isaac was the miracle. And so the attitude of Ishmael began to change toward Isaac. He became the rival. He became the tormentor of Isaac. The mistake worked at every opportunity to crush the miracle. The mistake badgered the miracle. The mistake smothered the miracle. The mistake harassed the miracle. The mistake pestered the miracle. And so is the story of our lives. Commitment begins to move forward and the mistake begins to harass. A prayer life begins to develop and the mistake begins to bother. A day or two of fasting and it seems like the miracle has the upper hand, but the mistake hasn't been banished and comes back to suffocate the spiritual discipline. It soon becomes apparent to Abraham that something had to be done. And so he finally, he finally serves an eviction notice on the mistake and sends Hagar and Ishmael away. I'm preaching to somebody right now. God has set you up. God has postured you. Postured you. He's given you the, he's empowered you. He's given you the anointing. He's given you the divine sanction. It's time to evict the mistake once and for all and let the miracle live on. mistake had finally been banished and the miracle was in the process of stretching its wings listen Abraham really was going to be the father of a great nation in spite of his mistake Abraham really was going to possess the land of Canaan in spite of of his mistake. Abraham found the earlier relationship that he had enjoyed with God in spite of his mistake. I submit to you that Abraham's relationship with God was so much better and so much more quality after the mistake than it was before the mistake. There ought to be a sense of faith rising in our hearts when we hear this kind of preaching. This is the kind of preaching the devil don't want you to hear, and neither does he want you to understand it. But I'm here to serve notice on Grace Church. Revival is still going to come in spite of our mistakes. Oh, yes, it is. As a matter of fact, in spite of our mistakes, a sovereign move of God has already come to this church. It's been apparent over the past number of years, and it's not departed. The cloud is still hovering over this church. Some of you understand that. I'm here to tell you our lives are filled with mistakes and hypocrisy, but it doesn't cause God's promise to go away unless we allow that to happen. Hallelujah! 
Bill Elwood, you're such a testimony of what I'm preaching, man. Oh, he's such a testimony of what I'm preaching. He was away from God some 30-plus years. I saw him back there a few minutes ago. I don't know if y'all saw it, but he inspires me to no end with his worship. I'm not trying to put him on the spot, and I think we have an agreement. I think we do, that I can talk like this. If we don't have one, we have one now. Was away from God some 30-plus years. After serving God, committed to the teeth, things happen and mistakes are made. But he walked back into this building last fall, and in just less than probably two minutes, God filled him up with a baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm here to tell you, it don't matter what the mistake has been. It really doesn't matter to God what, for the context of this message, what you did to so-and-so and what they did to you. The point of the matter is what you choose to focus on. Is it going to be the miracle? Or are you going to focus on the mistake? Are you going to be excited about what God did? Or are you going to be downcast over what you did? I choose to take what God did. I'm going to focus on what God is doing. And that's going to be my inspiration. I can beat myself to death over mistakes that I've made and things that I've done. But I'm here to tell you, my focus is on Him and what He's done. And it keeps me preaching. Praise God. So I believe healing can still happen in spite of my mistake. Restoration can still take place in spite of my mistakes. Hope is still alive in my life in spite of my mistakes. Faith still believes in spite of my mistakes. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Bible said, Paul said, therefore, 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 if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new, and all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation to wit. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. I'm here to preach to somebody you must understand. Is it going to be for you your mistake or your miracle? What's it going to be? You want to live with your miracle? Or do you want to live with your mistake? You can choose. What is your mistake? Everyone has one. Some old feelings that is harbored in your soul, never venturing toward the light of the holiness of God, but is still there. The mistakes vary in shape and size, but it's still a mistake that robs you of the work of the miracle that God wants to see in your life. I'm preaching to people here right now. 
Maybe it's someone that you can't forgive for something they did to you years ago. Maybe the mistake you you, you feel like it really ruined your witness at home with your family, at work, and even at church. Well, everybody knows I did so-and-so, so I'm, I'm done. I'm dead in the water. We don't understand the ministry of reconciliation that God offers. Maybe it's a confrontation that you've had with your spouse and your marriage is still a little bit shaky. Maybe it's dishonesty with God, even the pastor, even your spouse for children. Maybe your mistake is a moment that your lust consumed you and you gave in. Maybe your mistake is some bitterness that you've held long after the wound should have healed. Maybe your mistake was a failure in your life a long time ago to give in to the will of God. Maybe your mistake was an accusing finger that you pointed at God Himself for your circumstances. Maybe I haven't named your mistake, but whatever it is, it's still there. It's hideous. It's ugly. And you need some relief. I have the answer. Every person sitting in this building right now are just a few steps from an altar where you can deposit that mistake and begin to engage and embrace your miracle. God wants to give. Listen very carefully. He may not be able to restore your marriage because he's not going to impose his will on anybody. But he can give you the ability to go through it. I'm not advocating divorce here today. Don't misunderstand. But things happen. And if your spouse don't want to reconcile with you, there's, God's not going to impose his will. But that doesn't mean that you have to go on living with guilt, condemnation, fear. You may not be able to restore you with your kids or your parents because of what they feel and what have you. That doesn't mean you have to live with it. There's an altar here where you can leave your Ishmael and walk out of here with your Isaac. It's up to you. It's a choice, Abraham. You can tolerate trying to maintain peace in your home with a miracle and a mistake living there at the same time, or you can engage the miracle. Embrace the miracle. And serve an eviction notice on the mistake. If you'll stand with me this morning, the songwriter said, if I remember right, I believe it was Brother Tony Roberts wrote this song. If it's not, I apologize and give credit to whoever wrote it. So you think you've made the ultimate mistake. And Satan says, there's no use to pray. Because you've gone beyond God's grace this time. Did you know that, that was Satan's favorite line? 
And then he rides somewhere in the darkness of the night. A teenage boy decides to take his life because he feels he's not worthy of God's love. If only he could see beneath the blood. Because there's bigger sins than that beneath the blood. Darker deeds by far that he's forgiven people of. So don't let Satan blind you where you can't see God's endless love because there's bigger sins. There's a bigger mistake. There's greater errors that people have done than you. And they're under the blood. In 1772, William Cowper penned these words. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath the flood and lose all their guilty stains. Lose all their guilty stains. Lose all, he wrote, their guilty sins. And sinners plunge beneath the flood and lose all their guilty stains. I want to tell somebody here this morning, you want to embrace this. You want to believe it. Somehow there's a part of your mind that says, you know what? I do believe there's a miracle that's been birthed on the inside of me. There's help. There's empowerment. There's support. God, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. But I just can't get past the mistake. I wouldn't be here today if I'd have never married. I'd never be here today if I'd have never had the kids. I wouldn't be here today if I wouldn't have took that job. I wouldn't have been here today if I hadn't spent that money, if I wouldn't have stopped there, and if I wouldn't have gone there. I wouldn't be where I am today. What I'm trying to tell you is it doesn't matter where you've been and what you've done and what you've spent where because God has proven that he can give you a miracle born in the same house. With a mistake. Yes, he can. God's speaking to somebody right now. God wants to speak to somebody. There's people here today, there's things from your childhood that bothers you every day. What you did as a teenager bothers you every day. Things that happened years ago bother you every day. But you don't have to leave here today with that guilt and that condemnation. There may be a battle to fight. There may be some hills to climb. And God said that would be true in the promised land. But He'll empower you to go through it. I say unto thee, I want you to understand and I want you to listen to my voice. 
your life, your future, and your destiny is in my hands. I still have the power to guide your footsteps. I can take whatever has happened in your past and I can put it under my blood. It will never come between you and I again. I will forgive you and I will take off of your shoulders condemnation and guilt. You can be free in me. I'm asking you to receive these words, to believe these words. I haven't come to you today to embarrass you. I've not come to you today to make you feel guilty. I'm extending my hand. I want you to come to me and let me lift the burden that you carry. To wash away the guilt, to ease the pain, and to comfort your spirit. Come unto me. Come unto me. I have divine power that I can release in your life that will help you make the proper decision to choose the right path. Come unto me. I am God, and I will not fail you. I will keep my promise, says the Lord. There's about a half a dozen people in this building right now that God has just given you a personal altar call. He's asking you to come to Him. So wherever you are, all over this building today, as I invite the church to come forward, and you can stand or kneel, whatever you want to do, but I'm going to ask everybody in the building to come. I want you to come with the church. Now is your opportunity. Now is your opportunity to come and receive the promise that God wants to make in your life. In the name of Jesus, I need everybody to come. Everybody come. Everybody come. Everybody come. Everybody come. Everybody come. Everybody. You to come full of faith. You to come full of promise. Full of hope. God wants to make a difference in your life right now. God wants to make a difference in your life right now. That's right, all over the house today, all over the house, all over the house. All over the house, all over the house, let's pray. Let's reach out to the Lord, all over the house, everybody. We need some faith going on right now. We need some faith going on right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.
Come on, folks, all over the house. Let's worship the Lord all over the house. Worship. Everybody worship. Everybody worship. Everybody worship. Everybody worship. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes. Hallelujah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Let the Lord have his way. Come on, everybody. This is a God moment. This is a God moment. Come on. Yeah. 